Hello, welcome to another installment of Wheel Life Problems. I'm your host, Ricky. With me, as always, is Bill. Yes, Bill, also known as the Wheelchair Gamer. Yes, and also Brandon. Hi, how are you guys doing? And James. Hey there. We're a rack pack of disabled group people talking to you here about accessible gaming and such. Welcome. How's everyone doing today? Not bad, not bad. Pretty good. I'm feeling alright. Just alright? A little. Yeah, I've been okay. Been busy, as always, but been okay. Yeah? You guys sound so enthusiastic. <laughs> I know, right? Right? Yeah, it's been two weeks <laughs> or more since we've done a done a show. I'm glad to be back on a show. It's a, it's a good thing. I gotta, go. I gotta remember how to podcast. Yeah, I gotta remember how to how to do do this thing, right? Right. Well, cool. Well, it's good to be back back here with you guys and stuff. Um, crap. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> gonna have an awkward. Uh, see, there, there's one of those parts off. you have to edit out, James, because I'm totally spacing today for some reason. Mm, I'm but. tempted to just leave this little bit in. <laughs> huh? I'm tempted to just leave this in. No, right. I'll leave it in. No worries. Do it, I yeah. Promise. It shows our humility. <laughs> our human side. Yeah, the human side of real life problems. We're just like everyone else. We make mistakes too. We are but flesh and blood. And I don't machinery. think anybody's I don't think so, anybody's under the illusion that our podcasts are slickly produced highly planned episodes before this but you know this will totally blow that out of the water if they are <laughs> right <laughs> don't wanna hey we're organized and well well enough to podcasting no. we're pros we we got this under control as best as we can <laughs> yeah as best as we can it, it's you know we got handicaps so bear with us <laughs> So we got any updates on on anything? Is there any any like big things going on with any of us specifically? I mean, Ricky, anything with you on you know oh, able me. gamers? Uh, nothing, nothing exciting to report for me. I'm just in school right now, and you know that's super exciting, right? <laughs> no. Just taking a couple classes here at the local community college, but other than that, I've got nothing too exciting to report. How about you guys? Oh man! Well, don't everybody start at once? <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Um, no, I I've been working real hard on trying to get this, uh, trying to get my community website up and running. Um, we've got a stream team. Now we need a website to like showcase everything that, um, mm-hmm. not not just the stream team is doing, but also, uh, people who are coming out of the woodwork who want to write about uh, disability, write about gaming, um, and write about the places where those two intersect. And I think that's uh, pretty fantastic, if you ask me. That is fantastic. Yeah. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, I I agree. Um, Other than that, yeah, just been uh, streaming... Streaming and streaming. Um, playing. Let's see. What, it, what have I been playing that's new? Um, I've been playing Atlas, actually. 
That's uh, been interesting. What game is that? That is <laughs> a... It's uh, very similar to Ark, uh, made by the same development studio. And it's like a high seas adventure type game with the, like the real, uh, or with the, um, open world and survival crafting, etc., etc. Is that, so, um, what you would call, um, ah, oh, man, I am just not, what yeah, do you so, call it? So a survival game? Yeah, thing? exactly. Survival okay. RPG, maybe? I was thinking more of a indie game. That's what I was trying to say. Ah, uh, no, it's definitely not a like a not an indie game, but early uh, development, but not not indie. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but yeah, but definitely been enjoying it. Um, been on a private server, so that's been uh, useful. Yeah, um, we also been doing. Uh, you know, you and I've been doing that collab stream of Seven Days to Die. That's been that's been pretty awesome. You know, I break ladders, but you know, I mean, it's been pretty That's awesome. All right. That's <laughs> totally all right. What is Seven Days to Die? Uh, seven Days to Die is another uh, survival <laughs> crafting game, but this one is uh, more uh, zombie apocalypse instead of pirates on the high seas. It so, almost has like a Fallout overtone with like you know the fact you have workbenches. And generators, mm-hmm. but it's more open than that. It's more, uh, you know, it's more very. Of an open... um, it's like Minecraft, only yeah. if Minecraft were prettier and had <laughs> uh, really tough zombies that run at night. Yeah, <laughs> and then you get hordes every like seven nights. And so this is a, you guys are doing a like co-op really... of this. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. The server is PVE. Um, Although I have seen uh, PvP servers where people will, like, fight each other for, like, the best territory and everything like that. But um, it, I personally think it's best played as a PvE game where people work together to um, protect their... Protect what they've built against the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's a solid game, but um, unfortunately, it's had a development hell um, just because they've had a lot of. From what I've heard, it sounds like they've had a lot of staff changes. One point there was less. There, there's been times where there's been more staff. Zero, five, seven, eight, you know, eight, they've six. been you know, kind of dealing with those uh, Zero, five, seven, those things eight, developers eight, deal with um, that aren't necessarily considered a you know one of the triple the a titles that gets the the full you know red card carpet treatment if it, you will in terms of funding and staff right space so but still numerally. still good though cool what's the what's the part that really captivates you guys about sleep. that game mm. personally i like it because it is like every every single block that makes up this open world can be interacted with. So there are um there are towns, little cities, villages and you can build your own 
castle or bunker, or you can find something that's already been built and shore up the defenses. So you could live in a um, gas station with a fence around it, or you can build something entirely your own. And um, I also really enjoy the fact that it's got such a dedicated and vibrant modding community. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so people will um, make everything from like full overhauls of the game to simply making a building that they've designed that they can then like add into the um, game itself so that when it procedurally generates a map it can choose from the game that or from the uh, building that you yourself had designed in putting cities together or just like small villages what have you so and the maps are huge like very customizable type of game that's also like, yeah it, it has a lot of customizability going for it almost as much if not more than say Minecraft which is kind of like the big thing for customizability right right you know I'd say it's a solid game um, it also has a kind of smaller community um, in terms of streaming and the big scheme of things because there's a lot of games that are much bigger have much more of a view uh, viewer count so you're more likely to what I've seen playing it is a lot of the guys that stream it will are very open to raiding people. Um, I've had numerous raids as a result of just simply playing the game and someone finding another person that plays the game that has a lower view count. Um, so that's something that's kind of cool with these uh, these kind of smaller niche or niche sort of uh, games is that you get you get to know kind of the people that are you know, streaming it and playing it, you know, very easily. So I like that about it. Hmm. Sounds fun. Let's, uh, let's see. Uh, well, James, you said you've been uh, playing a new game recently. Well, not just a new game, a new system recently, haven't you? Yeah, I got a Switch um, just around about the start of January, which you know, I've been enjoying quite a lot, actually. Um, it seems like a fairly decent system. Um I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Let's Go and Pokemon, not Pokemon, uh, Super Smash Brothers um, Ultimate, which, you know, Pokemon's pretty good, but I'm not so keen on, you know, there's control issues with it, so, like, when you're playing it in portable mode and you're using the, using the D-pad, not a D-pad, well, the analog sticks and the buttons on either side of the, when the Joy-Cons are clipped onto the side of the little screen, you know, it plays just like a regular you know, control pad controlled game, but then I have to play it on the small screen, which being visually impaired, not not very handy. <laughs> so, you know, Wait, if I so want to play, is, is it easier for you to play handheld or on the TV screen? I I kind of missed that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm playing it handheld mostly because the controls are better, but it does mean that if I want to read anything, I have to have it like right up against my face, which isn't ideal. But um, if I was to play it in on this big screen, 
put the switch in the dock and see it on the, the television. Um, it kind of forces motion controls onto me, which I don't really like very much. It forces you to play it with a single Joy-Con, where you control it with you know whatever analog stick is on that one, and just press the buttons. But then when you're trying to catch a Pokemon, you have to swing it. So sort of swing your Joy-Con to throw the Pokeball. Which, I mean, mm. it's, it's kind of cool, but it doesn't work for me as well as the as just pressing a button. And, I mean, obviously there's, like, accessibility issues for that as well for people that, you know, maybe have, like, motor function problems or whatever. But um, I've not found a way to, to switch it over to, to use the same controls in big screen mode as you would in portable mode. So, I mean, that's that's kind of annoying. So would you say these are minor gripes or... Are there any major gripes you've come across? Because uh, if anyone's listened to one of our previous episodes, we they may know that we kind of took Nintendo down a peg as far as accessibility previously. That's oh, yeah. I mean, that, that <clears throat> totally. I mean, I think in the past couple of episodes, I've taken whatever opportunity I can to crap on Nintendo's record on accessibility recently. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I complain about it because they make very good games, games that I've enjoyed in the past, so I kind of want them to do better, and and occasionally, like, you know, you see in Smash Brothers, there's a lot of customization you can do with the controls to sort of mm. map them, you know, map whatever sort of actions you want to whatever button, and things like that, but you know, it's, it's not really consistent across all of their games at all. I mean, I was playing um, Mario Kart 8, which is, I mean, it's, it's really good. But again, you can't customize the controls, which I would have liked because, you know, I, I get quite a sore thumb from holding down the acceleration button on the on the Joy-Con. It's just it's the the A button on it, and it just mm-hmm. it becomes really makes my thumb really sore and uncomfortable. So yeah, if you, yeah, if you use it in the portable mode, I've noticed that. Yeah. So either you guys have that um that uh connector that will let you use GameCube controllers for your Switch. Mm-hmm. Do you think that would yeah. help you, James, at all? Maybe, maybe. I mean, it's it's. I've got GameCube controllers at home, so you know, maybe it's something I'd look into. But unless it actually lets me change the change the button mapping, then I, I might still end up having the same problems. Um, yeah, I don't know if you can change the button mapping on it. There hasn't been anything that I've seen uh, to do that, but I I don't I can't confirm that. Uh, I mean, my only experience with this is I have a my a friend of mine. He's got a Nintendo Switch and he's got the GameCube converter controllers, for, and I've seen him remap the entire GameCube controller for our Smash Brothers at least. So oh, know, then you can. Yeah, so yeah, I know that yeah. that that there at least is possible, but it, that's as far as my well, knowledge that's extends. That's impressive. That's Justin, right? Yeah. 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 yeah Smash he's... has got really extensive um, button remapping options. Which is, yeah. you know, compared to the other games that just they don't have any, it's quite, it's quite um quite surprising. Yeah, Justin claims he's not good at the game. I go over to Ricky's house. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm not that good." Man, he wiped my my butt all over the floor with, you know, <laughs> and he's just like smiling, like he's like, "No man, I'm not good at this." Like he just always does that. He always does that to everybody he plays against. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He'll kill you in Smash. He's but... like really good. I'm not good, but, you know, hey, at least it's humorous when I try, right? Mm-hmm. So as far as, like, vi- uh, since you know, you're visually impaired, are, you, are there, like, any improvements that, like, if, if for some reason some guy on Nintendo right now are listening, be like, hmm, <laughs> like, anything you could immediately you could think of that you would wish were more improved to better suit your disability? 
Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it'd be nice if it had the the, the, the sort of functions that the Microsoft or PlayStation games consoles have. You know, like, maybe to be able to sort of zoom in on certain parts of the screen or some sort of narrator function like the Xbox does. But one thing I've kind of noticed about it is that, <clears throat> I think, well, just to go back a wee bit, my first, the first time I played the Switch would have been before Christmas when I tried my brother's one. I was playing um, Fortnite on it in a team of mostly visually impaired people. We had a squad of four with only one fully sighted person, which was cool. Um, and I didn't really play it. I did the worst out of a lot of us, for sure. But I was playing on the Switch on portable mode, and I noticed that the UI for the portable mode version of Fortnite on the Switch was basically exactly the same as you would see on the PlayStation or um, on the Switch on the big screen. And that, you know, they didn't really bother to sort of resize or rescale any of the UI elements for play on this mo- on a re- on a relatively small screen. And it's it makes me wonder, you know, like are developers making their Switch games for the big screen? In which case if they, they when they switch to portable, then the UI elements are probably going to be quite small. And or are they making them portable first? so that when you put it onto the big screen, the UI elements are maybe bigger than they would be normally. So it's it's an interesting um interesting system for that point of view. As somebody that played a lot of you know, I really enjoyed like the PSP and the sort of three D S and D S systems despite my sight loss. Um I'd like to see I'd like to see how the developers are sort of working with both the small and the large screens. You know, because I'd like to see them make their make their UIs for the small screen first, and then just have them be really big and kind of overblown on the big screen, rather than doing it the other way around as I saw in Fortnite. All right. Well, let's hope someone on Nintendo is listening to that. So, in general, like I, I haven't actually played Fortnite, um, but I I have to wonder, like. Did you like actually genuinely enjoy your experience playing that game with like a visual mm-hmm. disability? Um, at first, not really, but it was mostly because I was kind of dropped in, dropped into the deep end playing with my little brother. Who, my my brother has similar sight loss to what I do, mm. and so does his visually. I think his visually impaired friend has worse sight than than either of us, but. Um, both of them are Fortnite monsters. You wouldn't know that they have sight loss for the the, 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 the amount of wins that they have and squads and stuff. Um they do they do really quite well. Um I mean I was definitely the weak link, but it was mostly because I'd never really played it before and I was playing it on this on the Switch on portable. So it was kinda of like lower frame rate, small screen and no experience of the game compared to this. Oh. But I mean, for people with worse sight than myself, I would at least maybe they should try it because it's it's at least free to try, and it's it's really easy to just get into a game, run around, get a few. You know, you might not get any kills. I very rarely get any kills, <laughs> but um, it's enjoyable it's, nonetheless. Yeah, I'd always yeah. chalked uh, games like that under like just something that I, under like not playable um just i don't because, personally like yeah like it 
Why is that? Fortnite or uh, Battle Royale in general? Um, Fortnite specifically, it just, uh, I just, I don't know, it just annoys, it's an annoying game to me for some reason. I don't know, I prefer PUBG, I guess. Now, what makes you choose one over the other? Uh, I don't like building. And that's the main difference between Fortnite and PUBG? Is that well, building aspect? Graf- graphic, there's graphics to it. Um, one of the other things is, is that, I don't know, in terms of, um, in terms of streaming it, what I what I didn't really really like about the streaming aspect of it was like you know you get sometimes you get a lot of kids on there and it's just like you know I don't want to have to constantly um, feel like I have to worry about what I'm saying. Well, wasn't that know? like every game now though? Is like all the kids have just taken over. Depending on the... what you play, yeah. I mean that's why a lot of times usually if I'm going to play a game that's multiplayer. I prefer to do it with people that I, um, I know. Yeah. I, I tend to I tend to avoid the military style shooters games specifically because it tends to attract a younger audience and. Um, and by younger audience, you mean a bunch of kids saying who they just fucked your mom, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I'm just like. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too old for that. But um, yeah, I just can't. I can't take it. Yeah, I I totally understand that. Um, it's funny how that evolves because I remember, you know, back when I was younger, I was totally that annoying kid. Uh, yeah. Playing games with people, but I mean that's also what was towards the beginning of the the birth of online play. You know, like Halo and stuff like that. Like. It was it was all just kids, you know, and rarely adults. And now, but all those all those kids that grew up, and now they're having to, you know, feel what's it called karma, I guess, you know. Uh, yeah, that's. I think it's, I think we probably deserve it. Right, because I mean, we are all those annoying kids at the same time, just saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> screaming in people's ears, calling each other foul names, and. Making innuendos at their moms and stuff, and you know, like I said, I'm definitely guilty of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, couldn't um, tell me nothing. Mm hmm, exactly. So, there was but, kind of something cool that I came across the other day. Um, I was going to kind of bring up, um, it isn't so much about accessibility, but I figured you know, there are going to be some streamers watching this. Um, there's a really good resource out there that I would recommend checking out called twitch strike and what you can what the cool thing about this resource is that it will show you basically unlike on the twitch website where they're looking at uh, their ratio is completely different from what this website does which is where this looks at the amount of viewers to game as opposed to games to to viewers if that makes sense like meaning like it's looking at the viewer pool and looking at the ratio of you know, the fact that, hey, it's got this percentage of people, you know, there's this many channels, but there's these many viewers. So the likelihood of you being seen might be better. Um, and it'll just give you a gauge of like when when might be a good time to stream a game just to, you know, especially if you're new to it. It's just something fun to kind of look at just to kind of see. Um, just figured it was something worth kind of giving a little blurb about real quick because, uh, you what know, that I think called it's, again? it's called uh, Twitch Strike. Twitch strike. Okay. 
funny thing about that website, um, I got my start in streaming, uh, playing EVE Online, Mm -hmm. and, um, I used to stream for a, uh, shared partnered channel called, uh, Imperium News, and they would have, like, a weekly EVE talk show, um, called The Meta Show, and you could actually watch EVE Online's, um, numbers get fluctuated because... This was a show that everyone would be watching every Saturday at like around like now actually, um, and it would it'll it you could really watch the numbers get messed with uh, because it would make Eve Online look either more desirable to stream or less desirable to stream because there would be a lot the majority of people watching that game would be watching this channel right okay so that's like um so normally like according to twitch strike that would make it um <laughs> a desirable game to stream right. because there's a lot of people watching it but they're only watching it on one channel so um if you know those n- numbers like you know that means that people a lot of people would probably watch a second channel if there were one. Right, right. Which is totally not the case. Right, right. Totally not the case. Yeah, so um well, now that I kind of kind of kind of brought up tools, I was thinking another thing that I might want to bring up is there's also another tool that's worth looking at, Social Blade. It's a really good idea of kind of giving you a gauge on you know where you're at now. And where you could be, um, you know, like maybe a year from now, two years from now, a month from now, based on the current statistics that you have uh, produced from your Twitch page. It's not not 100%, obviously, because it doesn't account for the fact that, you know, if you make a bigger footprint for yourself on the internet, make yourself more searchable, that could, that could vary that, that could vary where you're at from one month to another, because... You could ultimately become bigger, but you don't really know because there's just yeah. not advanced search features on Twitch, unfortunately. So it's very, very, uh, very basic compared to something like YouTube. So those are kind of those are those are like two tools for people to kind of look at. So that's Twitch Strike and Social Blade. Check them out. You know, play with them. See if they they give you some sort of benefit. All to get a bigger footprint or a bigger tire mark. Yeah, bigger tire mark, you know, whatever it is. But I would say stay genuine. Always stay genuine. That's my other big, big blurb for streamers is that uh, people can see through the fake stuff. Right. All right, well, uh, I had a question I wanted to ask. Uh, Mm -hmm. Of course, this is mainly directed at you, James. uh, You mentioned earlier that you're working on another uh, audio game jams. Kind of, yeah. Um I suppose by the time this podcast goes live, I'll have launched the website and all that. It's it's kind of still in the in the cooking stage right now. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's basically audio game jam takes place in October, so I've got some time to fill between now and then. And I thought, well, global accessibility awareness day, 
that's in May. Um, so why not make another game jam that's a bit broader in scope, that's not just focused on blind and visually impaired gaming issues, and see how that works. Maybe try and get some more um, community people in to, to help out, cover the areas that I don't know about in, with regards to accessibility, which, I mean, that's probably most areas, honestly. Um, <laughs> so, like, even within the sort of blind and visually impaired gaming sphere, I can already talk to, like, being sort of low vision, and even then it's relatively so. Um, so... So you're just trying to capture a bigger audience to, for it, basically, for the awareness day? Kind of, yeah, yeah. So the the game jam is scheduled to, to run during the week immediately before Global Accessibility Awareness Day. Um, so that on Global Global Accessibility Awareness Day, I'm just going to say GAD, um, on <laughs> GAD, um, the games will be ready to show when I can promote them and sort of tie it in with all of the other um, sort of promotional things that different various companies and organisations will be doing at the time as well. So, um, just for those of you sort of listening that maybe don't know what Global Accessibility Awareness Day is, um, it's, I mean, it is basically what it says on the, in the name. It's about, it's a day to promote accessibility uh, issues um, generally, but it's also was last year the day that Microsoft chose to officially launch their Xbox adaptive controller. So it's, is it it's really? Yeah, yeah. So yep. it's, it's fairly significant in the accessible tech scene as a day for just like making big accessibility announcements. So that's why I'm kind of trying to jump on that too. Um, oh, that's so, a great idea. So I'm, I'm still... Yeah, so it's, it's still largely in the planning phase. There's like five major areas that I'm hoping to cover with it so obviously and for me you've got like uh, sight loss sight loss issues so you make a game one of the challenges would be to make a game that's playable without sight similar to audio game jam but then you've got the four other sort of challenges where you know there's one focused around hearing loss um, and deafness and one focused around um, cognitive impairments Um, what are the other two Mobility? Um, um, yeah, like sort of mobility, motor function. So maybe make a game that's playable with one button, something like that. Um, as I say, the challenges haven't yet been decided. And what's the last one? I'm trying to remember Taste. the. Uh, no, it's um, <laughs> speech. Yes, that's the last one. I was trying to remember because I've, I've drawn, uh, done all the sort of branding for it over the past week. And it was just me spending time thinking, like, mm, so what is a how can I represent motor function or you know cognitive impairment by just an icon and trying to think of something that is recognizable, understandable, but not too sort of cliche or even offensive, you know? So right, so stuff like that. That's awesome. Yeah, you definitely have to let us aware of when the website for that is uh up and is more of a finished state, so we can let people know about that and get spread the word for that because that sounds uh, a really good yeah. idea i think um i could probably let people know the twitter account for it it's um at vg accessible so yeah if you want any news or updates on how the the jam is coming along just follow that and it'll keep you up to date cool cool we'll put that into the into the description of the episode too so people will know 
of where to find that Twitter account. Yeah, sure. Awesome. And we also got um, we have a Twitter now and a logo, guys. So that's cool. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's also mm-hmm. something that we very. <laughs> Yeah, Wheel Wheel Life Proms is equipped with a cool, badass new logo. And you can also follow our Twitter at Wheel Problems. Or is it Problems Wheel? I think it's Problems Wheel. Problems Wheel, (laughs) yeah, because that's what it let me me put. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Follow follow us. That's how new it is. It's so new, we we barely knew what the name of it. Follow us at Problems Wheel on Twitter. But, um, I guess other than that, uh, anything else anyone else wants to add, or you know, you guys willing to start wrapping it up here? Um, up to you guys. Um, I think we've uh, covered most uh, topics for the past couple weeks. How about uh, anything you guys are particularly excited about? In- for uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks regarding accessibility or video games or video games huh. and accessibility. Kind of curious about this anthem, like what what that's all about. If it actually looks it like it seems good. very similar to Warframe. I uh, I tried it out a little bit, um, but since I control my computer or my mouse cursor with my head and the game doesn't have um, the ability to change mouse sensitivity for simply like looking around and walking mm-hmm. and just simply moving in the game space. But it has mouse sensitivity settings for flying, running, and aiming your weapon. So I'm really confused. But um, hopefully I'll hear a bit more from EA's uh, accessibility lead because I tweeted at her last night. Or not, yeah, no, it was last night. I'm like, hey, uh, what's going on with, uh, with your Anthem game? And hopefully I'll get a response. Is EA good on their accessibility side? Because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it- doesn't EA kind of have like a bad rap right now for being one of those people that are just uh, trying to gold dig money out of everyone? Yeah, um, for microtransactions. Yeah, I know. I know they're taking the the whole situation, or I'm sorry, the whole like concept of microtransactions very seriously, and making sure that they don't screw that up, but. When it comes to accessibility, they are one of the few studios that employs a full-time accessibility lead. So, yeah. So, in that regard, that puts them, like, on a step above uh, Bethesda, in my own esteem, anyway. And BioWare um, has always been a company that can be relied upon to produce titles that are accessible. Um, even, uh, even Star Wars, the old Republic, even though you had to control it with like 
uh, WASD instead of simply click to move, uh, it was still a game that you could have it pause at certain times so you can caref more carefully select what you want your characters to do and how you want them to act and move so that you don't have to um, deal with real-time events, if that makes any sense. Slightly. Maybe if you can clarify just a little bit more. Um. Yeah. Well, what I mean by real-time events are just stuff that happens in the game that you have to react to in a timely manner. Um, okay. For example, yeah, like if, if in PUBG, if someone's shooting at you, that's a real-time event because it's happening, you have to move, or get you'll get hit by a bullet. Um, whereas if you're playing a game that has, like, real-time with pause or something like that, like, say... Um, uh, what's a good example? Like, They Are Billions or um, RimWorld or something like that. You can pause the game, click on each character, and have them do a thing and plan a strategy um, on your in your own time instead of having to uh, do it right then and there or risk losing something in the game. Okay. So if that makes, yeah, if that makes sense, uh, that's yeah. what I mean by a real time event. James, you wanted to add something? Yeah. The, just talking about e accessible, the, the e electronic arts accessibility lead. One of the things, the, the first time I encountered, um, her name's Karen Stevens. Um, mm -hmm was on our work with the blind gaming community and in their efforts to try and make the Madden series playable entirely without sight, which they did quite a good job of from what I've heard. Um, wow. You know, the, the but one of the things that's really, that's been really great about uh, her and her team is just how engaged they are with the blind gaming community and how sort of responsive they are to feedback from them and things like that. So, I think one of the ones they went on to do as well was to try and make UFC playable by the blind community too. The the third one, you know. So I mean, these are games that blind people were already trying to play. In, you know, in some cases, um, uh, playing. But it's they they've been doing a really great job, and it's I'm glad to. I'm sure that you'll, I'm sure you'll get some sort of response for about uh, Anthem at some point. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not too worried. Although, um, you, you've just reminded me, um, any of you guys happen to catch the episode of Vice News tonight where, um, they had a blind, um, Mortal Kombat player from Austin. They featured him, um, just completely schooling people in, uh, Mortal Kombat. Really, and I was I was wondering what is it about because I this isn't the first time I've seen this, and I'm wondering what what it is about fighting games that um, visually impaired gamers tend to gravitate to. Uh -huh. Well, 
Let me tell you. Right. Okay. Um, first of all, when they, when they, it's when talking about fighting games, that visually impaired people tend to lean towards. It does tend to be the ones that are, um, two that are two D fighting games. Um, that is like two right, D right. movement, two D space, like Street Fighter Two, rather than Tekken or or Soul Calibur. You know, although blind people do try and do play these games sometimes, but the the ones that are make them the ones that are more um, conducive to blind players playing them are the ones that where you're sort of locked to left right sort of movement because then stereo separation can be really useful so for identifying where you are on the screen relative to the environment and to the other player and that way they can uh, blind players can get a sense of the the the, the state of play as it were um, in the same way using hmm. sounds in the same way that a sighted player would with just by looking at the screen so hmm. because of that um, there's some fairly high profile well fairly high profile um, blind gamers playing things like not just Mortal Kombat but also um, Injustice 1 and 2 mm-hmm. quite uh, quite popular although they're made by the same studio as Mortal Kombat so the the same sort of features the same accessibility features carry over um, I think as well they've been quite responsive to the maybe the blind gaming community and at some point maybe I'm not sure if I'm wrong on this but they added in um, sort of audio cues for when in Mortal Kombat and Injustice you move, your character moves near an interactable object it will maybe make a little noise so that you know when oh. you can actually use items and things like that so it sounds um, like this would be something beneficial, beneficial to play while wearing headphones if you're visually impaired Oh yeah, essential. Uh, probably yeah, yeah. You would probably find find it quite difficult with without headphones, honestly. Um, and another one, another fighting game that's quite quite good for that for blind players is um, Killer Instinct, the recent one that came out on the I think it was an Xbox One launch game, but um, and recently out on PC through the Windows Store and Steam. But that's so that's kind of similar in that the the audio for it. Is like each audio effect in the game is unique, and through, um, if you sort of memorize, if you learn the audio cues for each character's moves and things like that, and in combination with the sort of stereo separation of the, what's it called, binaural audio. So, it's like um, each left your left and right headphones, your left and right speakers are receiving audio independently or something. I don't know how it works. It's, it's it might just be stereo, a fancy word for stereo sound. That's but, incredible. Yeah. <clears throat> but Killer Instinct is another one that's quite popular with blind gamers because it, ha- it works that way too. Hmm. I never really thought about, thought about that. Yeah, I, lear- I totally learned a thing sound. today. In fact, yeah. what I'll do is um, I've got, there's an article on Gamma Sutra that, about Killer Instinct that breaks all the, the audio for it and how blind players play the game through audio right down so we'll probably stick that in the, the podcast description because it's 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 a big read but it's it's it gives you all the details it's quite good hmm. that's fascinating actually so i guess like if you really wanted to mess with someone playing with those games if you switch the stereo from stereo to mono that would totally throw off everything wouldn't it oh yeah 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 they'd be totally stuffed um what I should say, if you want to see footage of people, I don't know who the, the person was on the Vice News, but 
for um, look for someone called Brandon Cole. He does regular streams of uh, Killer Instinct and sometimes Injustice, but I think recently it's been more Killer Instinct stuff. And there's a player called Sightless Gamer or Sightless Combat. Hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So he does a lot of uh, inju- not injustice, uh, Killer Instinct stuff. Or at least that, that was the last thing I, that I saw him playing. And so maybe that was a while ago. That was during the summer. So yeah, they're they're both quite um they're probably the highest profile people I can think of online, uh, that are blind and streaming those games. Hmm. That's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean it's 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 the sort of game you think like I love really it. you must need sight to to play these games because it's all like jumping around and throwing fireballs and all that kind of thing. But actually, you know, the audio there is uh, the audio work is good enough for people without sight to jump in and kick the shit out of people, <laughs> regardless. Well, yeah. Now I'm wondering if it started off as like someone just working on sound design for these games had that in mind or i'm wondering if like you know someone visually impaired stumbled upon onto this world and then the people that were sound designing were like oh we might have something here that we should work on more like i'm wondering which came first you know the chicken or the egg like yeah, I, I expect it's probably something that blind so blind gamers stumbled across that wasn't maybe intended by the developers but you know just maybe some um sort of a talented audio team wanting to make it uh, as good as it could be just happened to make it that way and blind gamers found that they could play it I don't necessarily think it was intended to to let blind people play but you know, happy accidents Yeah, and then they just jump on that opportunity and run with it Yeah I love it, that's awesome Alright, well I guess on that, I mean that's a pretty good pretty good spot to wrap things up for today wouldn't you guys say yeah absolutely yeah yeah well i love that note of positivity at the end positivity yeah don't let your disability keep you from playing games there's games out there for everyone go find it and play it and let us know what you're playing so i want to thank everyone again for tuning into another exciting episode of wheel life problems of course, I'm Ricky. You can follow me on Instagram, at least, at The Rickles. Uh, we have Bill, of course. Uh, he you can follow him at Wheelchair Gamer, Gamer spelt with a three for the E. Uh, we have Brendan. Uh, follow him at Accessible Gamer. And James can follow him at James Kyle. So, thanks again for everything, guys. <laughs> Bye, everybody. See you guys next time. Take it easy. See ya.